The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. And welcome into the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. I am Kelly Riggs, your host. Another fantastic version of the Business Locker Room. It's a show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business starting today. Absolutely fantastic show straight ahead. A couple of great guests. We're going to be talking about reaching the top 10%, whether you're a manager or you're in the world of sales. We'll have a couple of guests that will address that. David Long will join us in a few moments, and we'll talk about his brand-new book, Built to Lead, and what it takes to become a top 10% manager. Later in the show, my good friend from Chicago, Bob Turson, will join us. He is uh, the author of the book, Selling Fearlessly, and you can find him online at uh, sellingfearlessly.com. We'll talk about what it takes to reach the top 10% of the sales profession as well. Hey, find us on the internet, bizlockerroom.com. You can find out about past guests, listen to past shows. You can find out who's coming up next. A lot of good things happening there. It is the Business Locker Room Radio Show. Thanks to Michael Sergit, our engineer on the other side of the glass, making us sound great. By the way, coming up down the road Next Monday, the 20th of October, Colleen Francis will join us, and she is sales extraordinaire. We'll talk about her brand new book as well, Nonstop Sales Boom, Powerful Strategies to Drive Growth Year After Year. Hey, let's face it, folks. Business is like sports. It is a competition. And the reality is when is that when you win, someone else loses. I mean, that's the way selling works. And when someone else wins, you lose. So it is always in your best interest to play to win, whether you're a sales manager, salesperson, a manager of any kind, certainly you understand it if you're a general manager or you own the business, we're here to help you do exactly that. And that is that is to win the game of business and to make it fun in the process. I mean, let's, let's have a good time while we're doing it. No reason why we can't. Hey, this week, David Long joins me. Again, we're going to talk about his book, Built to Lead, but he is the founder and CEO of My Employees. This is a 25-year-old firm in the top 1% worldwide in the employment, engagement, and recognition industry. He works with firms and their managers, helping them become more effective to reach the top 10% of managers. By the way, find him at top10manager.com, T-O-P, the number 10, top10manager.com. David, welcome into the show. Great to have you in the business locker room. Thank you, Kelly. I'm happy to be here, buddy. 
Hey, you got a brand new book coming out. Is, has it been released? I know I got an advanced copy. Is it on the market yet? Yes, it was released on the 23rd and in leadership management uh, hardbacks, it got the number eight on Amazon and it's right at 12, number 12 right now. Fantastic. It is called Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. And that's that's not a typo. I'm not reading it wrong. <laughs> Re- rewards is a word, but it's it's got initials or it's got periods after it's a, every- It's an acronym. It's an acronym. Yeah, it's an acronym. Right? Mm-hmm. So it is, it is the seven principles for becoming a top 10% manager. Hey, let's start our conversation there. What do you mean by top 10% manager? What is, what is that uh, supposed to denote to someone? Well, most companies are keeping good records as to ranking their managers. So that's basically, I've, I've become a top 10% manager in three different industries. Well, technically, I've been a top 1% in the last two. Uh, so that's, I mean, so the top 10 is being conservative. Let's just say that. Sure. Uh, but any, any, any manager or any company, I should say, that the top 10%, which is the cream of the crop, that's what I want to try to help managers get to. And if they'll pay attention and read the book and follow the principles, they'll get there. It's just a matter of time. And it's so not what, a whole lot of time either. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the good news. Yeah. So, so yeah. what you're suggesting is, is that there's a, a step-by-step methodology for getting to the point where the metrics that measure me as a manager can put me in the top percent of my peer group. Yes. And basically, it all boils down to your people. I like what Zig Ziglar said. He said that you don't build the company, you build your people, and your people build the company. And uh, the, the, like I said, the rewards, which is an acronym, the second one, the second principle is actually education. And I spend an hour each week with, uh, I should say, each of my employees spends an hour in our training room. We split the company half on Wednesday morning at 10, the other half Thursday morning at 10. We have roughly almost 50 employees. And I buy everybody the same book. I tell them, all right, read chapter one, come prepared with your notes for, you know, next Wednesday's meeting, and we're going to discuss chapter one. And then we do that. We've been doing that for about a decade, and it literally, and I mean conservatively, has made me um, millions by doing that. Well, it, it bonds us together as a team. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it creates a culture in which learning is a, is a part of the environment. Yes, absolutely. Matter of fact, Gallup organization said that they did the 12 – uh, I should say the 12 tenements, if you will, of what makes a happy employee. One of those is the fact that somebody at work cares enough about me to help further my career and shows me what to do to go that way. So that's very important. Well, I, I, I have read through the book, and I tell you, there's a lot of tried and true principles there. And certainly you put them all together in a package. It's not hard to see how someone could follow those right down the line and, and really reach the top. And yet, you know, it's interesting because you, you emphasize education. In my experience, mm-hmm. David, is so few companies do that. Uh, you know, it's overhead. It's, it's the kind of expense that, especially when the economy is down, we need to cut expenses as much as we can. And yet, it, it, it seems really counterintuitive that if you're trying to build a better company, you begin by cutting education. That does not make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I, my uh, production manager and I were in Vegas, and we decided, you know, so we're going to tour Zappos while we're here. So we went to Zappos, and I paid $500 extra above the tour for the two of us to sit there and meet with their managers and talk with them and see if there's something we could gather from it. But quite frankly, while we were in there for our 45 minutes, uh, they asked me more questions about what we do than I asked them, which I thought was kind of funny. 
Well, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't get any better than that. They charge you so that you yeah. can tell them what, what to do well. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's you right. got to give them a lot of credit. You know, I, right. I, often, I often wonder why it is that, uh, that managers can't be more effective. And I know that some of it's education. Clearly, some of it is because uh, the, the quality of people that they hire uh, you 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 just can't win championships with mediocre people, David. You know that as well as I do. And yet, it's one of the f- the skills that we consistently do not impart into incoming managers. We don't teach them and train them how to hire, identify, hire, and retain quality talent. How, how do how do you change that uh, that that whole tide? I mean, that's that's a big deal. I tell you, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the people you have on your staff now on your team. Uh, the, I have one endorsement I could say about our company which you said it yourself, we're in the top 1% in, in the world in, our, in employee engagement and recognition. But we have over three-quarters of the employees at our company are there because other employees said, you need to come work here. And that's uh, that I can't get any better than that. I mean, the only thing that most of the ones that we haven't had that is we've had to hire some outside salespeople to work with us. But as far as production and support, that type of thing, man, all the vast, vast majority of those are there because of other employees. Well, so we yeah. make sure that they're happy. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting how if you have a great product or service, you know, customers will will be referred to you automatically. But the same is true of a corporate culture. If you have a great culture, yes. great employees will be referred to you as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's let's talk more about the book because you, you've got the seven okay. principles. But uh, I, I want to start off with one of the first things that you discuss in the book, and that is you you list three very specific reasons that managers fail. And if, you, if you'll take some time, review those three reasons for why, why do managers fail consistently? Well, I, I agree with Michael Gerber in his book, The E-Myth Revisited, is the vast majority of people just go to work, doing it, doing it, doing it, and go home. And that applies to managers as well. According to Gallup, they said 70% of managers are either disengaged or actively disengaged, which means they're going in the opposite direction from where the company wants to go. Yeah, thank you very much. Let's take a quick short time out and we'll come back. We'll continue to discuss the book, Built to Lead, Seven Management Reward Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is the Business Locker Room. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to the Business Locker Room. Again, I'm Kelly Riggs. I'm your host. You can find us at bizlockerroom.com. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Kelly Riggs. Love to hear uh, from you regarding this show. You can send me an email if you've got ideas for guests or feedback on the things that you hear. Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at bizlockerroom.com. We continue our conversation with David Long. He is the author of Built to Lead. And before the technical gremlins got a piece of us, David, we started to talk about the reasons <laughs> that leaders fail, the reasons that managers fail. And one of the things you had started to, to mention was they just quit learning. They don't read, they don't grow, they don't learn, they don't develop. So continue in that vein. Yeah, they definitely, that is the number one problem is managers, once they either get out of either high school or college, they figure I'm done. You know, I don't want to need to learn anything else. And the average, the sad thing is the average American today reads less than one book a year, which is kind of pathetic. So if you really get better, you have to constantly work at it. It's not going to happen by accident. So plan to spend at least a half hour a day if you can, and then build that up as much as humanly possible. I know quite a few successful people, and all of them are avid readers. And I don't mean you know, junk. I'm talking about stuff that makes them better as people and stuff that makes them better leaders. So that's what you need to focus on. Yeah, you're not talking about nonfiction. His book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is a great book. Yeah, a lot of the old classics, you know, have been around for a long time, yep. uh, are, are really still some of the very best books to read. Uh, you know, when I was a manager and, a, and an executive in the corporate world, uh, non-negotiable for me is if you went to work, you had to read uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Uh, I just, I never found oh, yeah, anything absolutely. that was quite as good as that one. And yet the, the amount of material that comes out on a regular basis, I think because self-publishing has become so easy on digital now, and your, and your book certainly is yeah. one of those built to lead, but you also say that uh, two, two real challenges for managers and why they fail is, number one, they don't lead, which implies that it's a subset of management somewhere, and that also employees don't think they care. Talk a little bit more about those. Well, I mean, if the employees don't think you care... Somebody about the uh, the poet said, uh, "People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care," and that definitely applies to leaders because you cannot. I, it's it's like the fireplace, and say, "I tell you what, you give me some heat, and then I'll give you some wood," or you go to the to the fields and you say, "I tell you what, you give me some crops, and then I'll give you some seeds." It's just asinine, ridiculous that people would think that's going to be the case. So if you're going to be successful as a leader, you have to prove to your people your team, that you are loyal to them first, that you have their best interests at heart, that you want to show them how to get ahead in their career. If you can show them that and they believe it, you've got to believe it to your core, otherwise they're going to know you're a fraud. But if you truly care about your people, then you're going to make that happen for them, and they, in return, are going to make that happen for you. Zig Ziglar said, and I like like this quote, to get what you want in life, you must first help others get what they want. And those others just happen to be your employees first and foremost, before your clients. Because if your employees aren't happy, they are the front line of the people who meet with your clients and customers. So you better doggone make sure they're very happy, or otherwise people are not going to come back, or they're not going to deal with you in the future. So that is your number one responsibility. Build Build yourself and build your team, and together you'll be built to lead. That's where I got the name of the book. 
Well, it's interesting when you approach it that way, because I can hear the naysayers in the audience or people who've been down this track before, <laughs> David. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you want me to, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya and, you know, have Blue Jean Friday and all the, all of that kind of nonsense. But you don't you don't get it, Dave. You don't understand. <laughs> I, I've got a business to run. I, I've got to create results. If I don't produce, uh, then I'm out of a job. And if I, you know, then if, if, we're, if we're not producing results, we're not going to have a company and on and on it goes. But uh, clearly, what, one of the things that I've run across, similar to what you've seen, is that we, we tend to promote people who are good at what they do, and yet we don't equip them to manage at all. So let's assume for a moment I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys that was very good in my role technically. They've promoted me to manager. I'm a task-driven personality. Help me understand how I go about the process of making my employees care w- without turning it into you know the proverbial holding hands around a campfire. Right. Well, most managers are task-oriented. You are correct in that assumption. That's the vast majority of them. And if you go to an, a company training, a management training, they get to the nuts and bolts about uh, P&Ls, you know, SKUs, making sure you keep the right inventory and everything. But they never, ever, that I've ever seen from anybody to do the very good job of this, discuss the personal aspect because that's your people. That's why I said Dale Carnegie's book is a phenomenal book for that on how to win friends and influence people. Matter of fact, I'm in our book clubs, just to give you an idea. Uh, we read, we've actually read Dale Carnegie's book several months back, and I had two of, my, uh, two of my male employees come to me and say, Dave, that book saved my marriage. Now, you can't really put a price on that, but let's just think about this. So if somebody's marriage is falling apart, it's going to affect them at work. So if they come to me and say, Dave, my marriage, you saved my marriage with that book, that just took pressure off of them. So managers have to get past this junk about everything's about, you know, here you've got to cross your T's and, you know, uh, dot your I's. It's all got to be done right. But if they drop the personal aspect of it, then everything else is going to fail. You know, every business is alike in one regard, and that is they are dealing with people, both clients and customers. And their employees, their team members. So they've got to be having a strong bond between them, or they, they're not going to take very good care of your clients. Plain and simple. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, my guest is David Long. He is the uh, author of Built to Lead. Find him on the online, by the way, at uh, top ten percent or excuse me top 10 manager.com it's top the number 10 then manager top 10 manager.com it, it, it's really interesting because I, I run into a lot of people in the workplace that are doing they're doing fantastic work I mean they're absolutely world-class people world-class employees and it just seems that uh, the, the common response is the only time I do hear from my bosses when I do something wrong or I make a mistake or I rarely get any any sort of recognition or encouragement or anything. Why is that? I mean, wh- why, are, why are managers so out of touch with these kinds of things? Well, several reasons. One is managers, a lot of them feel like they're very insecure, first of all. Uh, number one reason why they feel insecure. For every 100, and I say this in my book, the research from World at Work, they said for every 100 employees in a given company, only six or seven of those people ever get promoted to management. And of those six or seven that barely make it, less than one ever gets promoted again. The other ones are gone, usually from the company, within five years. So there's a massive failure rate there. So there's managers just have a lot of insecurity, and they feel if I brag on this person too much, they're going to come back and say, I need a raise. 
So a lot of their hands are tied. They can't do so much in that regard. So that's one of the reasons they want to not get too close. And that's from discussions I've had with managers. So that's, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, that's really what it's about. They're either insecure or they're afraid they're going to come asking for money, which is a shame. Actually, when these, when these employees are empowered and they know that their managers really care about them and their advancement in their career, the employees work with each other. They have a world-class company, and I mean that in all sincerity. And here's what classifies a world-class company. And as they have 10 employees, this is according to Gallup organization, they have 10 engaged employees for every donkey or disengaged employee. I say donkey because on my uh, top10manager.com, if you go to resources, you'll see a poster I had my graphics guy create. It's 10 Clydesdales pulling one donkey sitting down. And the average U.S. company is two Clydesdales pulling one donkey. So think about it. If you've got 10 Clydesdales, that donkey sitting down, they're not going to have any any problem at all pulling that. But if you've got two, they're going to get tired and they're going to quit. That brings another statistic out from Gallup. They said 47% of your best employees are going to leave you to go somewhere else because you tolerate pathetic employees and weak team members, and they don't want to see those people every day. So they ultimately leave. And then you lose your best because you tolerated you know, the slackers, basically, like I said, the donkeys that I had done in the poster. So, yeah, that's basically what happens. Well, it, it's interesting to hear you, you say that. It, what, what it implies is that uh, what, what makes a great company great is a much, a much higher percentage of, as you call them, Clydesdales versus the number of people that do not do yeah. well. But it also implies that there's always that, uh, that slack performer in there somewhere, even if they're one of 10 or 11 instead of one of three. Yeah. Now, wh- why is that? I mean, is, is it just uh, the law of averages or is there something that leads to that as well? Well, actually, the thing is, is sometimes, you remember I said those two employees came to me and said, my marriage, you saved my marriage with that book. Yes. People have personal lives. Things are going on. Maybe if they're a salesperson, they've hit a, you know, a, a tough spot. They're not doing it well, and it's pressures on them, so they feel that. So naturally, people are moving up and down on scale from world class back down to average. So that's something that is, is every day. You have to focus on that. That's well, the other – Build the relationship. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the, the other thing is that clearly a company that has 10 Clydesdales to, to one non-performer, I suspect the floor of the non-performer is much higher than it would be in other places. I mean, I just assume that the, the old proverb is true, a rising tide lifts all the boats, and the poor performer there is probably mm-hmm. even outperforming some of the better performers in other companies. That's very and it's highly likely, matter of fact. Uh, we, you're just going to find, you're going to find for a reason some people will, you know, sneak in there and... Uh, it's just like I said, their lives change, things happen. You know, I had a great employee years ago. He was phenomenal until he got married. I mean, you know, then he and his wife were uh, trying to outspend each other and ran up $40,000 for the card bills. Uh, and then that changed the way he was as an employee. Suddenly he was trying to win money on the radio, you know, in these contests. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't doing his job. So that oh, was all because goodness. of stupid decisions. So that <laughs> turned him from a Clydesdale to a donkey. Sure. David Long is my guest. He's the founder and CEO of My Employees. It's a 25-year-old firm in the top 1% worldwide in the employee engagement industry. You have, uh, you have seven principles of, of uh, top 10% managers, but, but there, you, you tell a really interesting story I'd like for you to relate in the time that we have left. You talk about the problems of managing change, and you relate the story of a school principal by the name of Todd Finn. 
And uh, it, it goes yeah. to, to this point that here you bring in a world-class manager, a principal in this case, and all of the challenges that he encounters in a negative culture. Why don't you share some of the details from that, that story with us? I'd be happy to. One of my uh, managers, uh, Melanie Greno, her, her, this, uh, her son played for uh, the football team that, that this principal, Todd Finn, was here in Wilmington. And uh, I got to meet him, and I took him out to lunch, and I said, man, this guy's impressive. And he just really had a fire for helping the kids get better, and he, he pushed them. Matter of fact, a lot of the average kids started doing better than the, uh, the elite, if you will, that were getting all the scholarships in the past. And that was messing up people's apple cart. They didn't like that. Some of the teachers who got the gifted kids uh, were getting frustrated because other kids were coming up and taking the scholarships that the gifted kids got. So Todd Finn was having phenomenal uh, progress and growth at the school. Matter of fact, when he went there, it was a troubled school. They had 360-some fights in one year. Two years later, they had six. So, I mean, that's a massive change. They didn't allow any of that. He pushed the drug dealers away from the perimeter of the school where they'd be across the street from the school, things like that. He just ran them off. And uh, basically what happened, he was also holding, this is the big word, uh, Kelly, is accountability. He was holding teachers accountable for doing their job, and he wanted them to buy it. He started doing book clubs with his people like I did with mine. And he actually just expected them to do more. And you know what? They didn't want it more, buddy. They wanted to stay. They wanted to keep things the way they were. So some of the teachers started complaining to the uh, school board. Matter of fact, the school board wanted to get him audited, which they did, because the change was so radical. And the students started doing so much better that they wanted to know what the heck was going on. So they audited him, had him come in, and they checked out everything to make sure he wasn't doing any funny thing with the numbers. <laughs> for the tip doors, and he wasn't. And make a long story short, he just got so frustrated that he ultimately ended up leaving, and our city lost a great man when he left. I, I mean to tell you, I was supporting him. I was supporting his efforts, and when he left, I just, you know, I understand this, this is how lack of class uh, people who, have, aren't, who aren't world-class like this, they'll do. They actually took his picture. You know where they have usually a wall where they have principals up there from past principals? Sure. They took his and moved it over the toilet and took a picture. Wow. That's pretty bad. Well, it's yeah. unfortunate when you have a situation like that in, in, in any arena, whether it's corporate, you know, nonprofit or education or anything like that. Clearly, there are great people in every, in every enterprise, and then you run across situations like that that are unfortunate. Well, Dave, I, I wish you the very best. The book is Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. You can find much more about David and the book at top10manager.com. Follow him on Twitter at Top 10 Manager, and uh, we wish you the best. I know you opened up at number eight in the hardback, and uh, I'm sure there's much more to come. Thanks for being a guest with us here in the Business Locker Room. Absolutely, Kelly. If you'd let me, I will do something for your listeners. If they will buy, if they'll go to Amazon and buy the hard copy of the book and send me an email at davidlong at 10manager.com, I will send them the Kindle version for free so they can have it with them everywhere they go. All right. Very good. Make sure you just make a note to David that you did that. Hey, great to have you. We'll talk to you next time. You too, Kelly. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to take a time out. We're going to come back on the other side and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm going to be joined by my very good friend, 
and uh, my own personal coach, as I was writing my last book a year ago, he is Robert Turson, and uh, Bob is the author of Selling Fearlessly. A lot of wisdom straight ahead. Stay with us. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome to The Business Locker Room. Great to have you back as uh, we continue to talk about the top 10%. I welcome in a very good friend of mine. His name is Robert Turson, and we became acquainted uh, through an internet connection a couple of years ago. Bob is a master salesman, author, speaker, he is a fantastic sales coach. Uh, he, he claims he's retired, but I know better. He spends a lot of time training and coaching and encouraging young salespeople. And he spent a lot of time with me as I was writing my book and helped me get it finished. So I'm excited to welcome him in. He's got 40 years of selling advertising to small business people. He's been on the front lines for a very long, long time. And uh, he wrote a fantastic book called Selling Fearless. I can re- recommend it to you without any hesitation whatsoever. Bob, welcome to the business locker room, my friend. Great to have you. Always good to be with you, Kelly. 
Well, the last time you were on the show, your first visit, uh, I was actually sitting uh, in your office and uh, in Chicago, Illinois, and it, it was a great time. But it, it is great to have you on again. We, we had an opportunity then to talk a little bit about selling fearlessly, but continuing the theme that I started in this particular show, from your perspective as a guy with a lot of wisdom and experience in the sales world, and I know you coach guys, in, in young sales guys, what does it take, Bob, what does it take? to become a top 10% salesperson? You know, if I was Elizabeth Barrett Browning, I would say, let me count the ways. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, there's so many things, Kelly. Um, well, first of all, the, let's talk about the triangle. Yes. One side of the triangle is mental attitude. A top salesperson has to have a rock-solid mental attitude. Nothing can knock them down. Uh, people used to ask me what was the secret of my success, and I always said I did the work, and that's the second side of the triangle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. You have to do the work. And the third side is knowledge and salesmanship. If anybody knows more about your business than you, you need to go look in the mirror and take a hard look at yourself. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows more about the intricacies of selling, you know, you have to challenge yourself. Uh, and after we get past the triangle, then, then we talk about specifics. I thought one of the greatest things you did in Quit Whining and Start Selling was uh, that chapter on differentiating. Right. A top salesperson has to know how to differentiate. In Mike Weinberg's wonderful book, uh, he's a friend of ours, New Sales Simplified, I always thought that the greatest thing that I got out of that was the story. A great salesperson has to be able to tell a wonderful story. Uh, A coaching client of mine, Bob Rickard, wrote a wonderful book called Profit Heroes. And Bob, uh, in that book, taught salespeople that they have to create profitability, additional profitability for the client. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Another wonderful book is Inside Selling by uh, Mike Schultz and John Doerr. Um, and, and in that book, they list the top ten things that differentiate uh, the top winners from their second-place finishers. And I'll read these uh, to you, Kelly, uh, from ten to one. Okay. Number ten, overall value from the company is superior to other options. Mm-hmm. Number nine, connected with me personally. Okay. Number eight, depicted purchasing process accurately. Okay. Number seven, crafted a compelling solution. Hmm. Number six, helped me avoid potential pitfalls. Five, understood my needs. Four, listened to me. Three, persuaded me we would achieve results. Two, collaborated with me, and number one, educated me with new ideas or perspectives. And that's what differentiates the top people, Kelly, all those things. Yeah, it takes a lot to reach the top 10%. I mean, I think we're kidding ourselves if there's some sort of magic bullet. And, and I, you know, one of the things I've always liked about you, Bob, is uh, I, and, and I just I just like candor, and you've always been that guy. And I mean, you're you're very gentle with your candor, but at the same time, 
Uh, I'll never forget my experience. When I first sent you a manuscript of my book, you, I think you read a chapter or two and you called me the next day. And uh, you, 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 the conversation went a little bit like this. I don't know if this is perfect, but this is what my mind remembers. Is, uh, okay, this isn't going to work. And I said, okay. And you said, after all, you want people to read the book, right? <laughs> and I said, sure. And I, so you, you, you took what I was doing. You said, hey, there's nothing wrong with your writing. It's the, your package and the way you're putting it together. Make them shorter chapters and easier to read. But that's kind of your hallmark. And I've gotten that from a lot of people who've worked with you. And, and, and I think you have the, the latitude to do that because you've certainly, you've made your way. You've been successful in 40 years and uh, you don't really have any reason not to be straightforward with people. Well, you know, that's, that's really a, a touchy subject with people. There's an awful lot of people out there. It, it kind of reminds me of the Jack Nichol- Nicholson role uh, when he, uh, you know, he, he was on the witness stand. Oh, yes, a few good men. You know, mm-hmm. he says, you, know you, you, you can't hear the truth or you don't want to know the truth. Right, right. There's a lot of people out there who don't, uh, which is silly because... You're not going to get better unless you get really honest feedback. Uh, but some people don't want that, Kelly. They want to just have their ego stroked. And if you're someone who wants to have your ego stroked, um, you're in. You need a shovel to dig your way out. <laughs> you're going to have your. You're going to have problems. There was uh, my my guest is Bob Turson, the author of Selling Fearlessly, and you can find him. On Twitter, by the way, at Robert Turson, uh, you, you recently uh, there was a very nice uh, interview with you done on uh, Pipeliner CRM, uh, their blog, PipelinerSales.com, their blog, and it's a conversation with master salesperson, salesman Robert Turson, and you were asked uh, about the importance of helping and establishing relationships, and uh, this is something that that I really admire about you. You do so very very well. You're very selfless. You're very willing to help, and and that has enabled you to build a real following uh, on your blog and on the internet in a very short period of time. Uh, but you tell a story in that interview about someone that contacted you about guest blogging on your site. And I would like for you to share that story, if you recall it, uh, with, our, with our listeners. Well, I, I think they wanted to um, um, guest blog. I, uh, yes. Uh, I'm sure you get these requests too, Kelly. Uh, someone out of the blue who doesn't know you sends a request that uh, they would like to you know, blog on, on your site. And, and then they tell you, uh, I believe this individual told me that it would be a wonderful forum for him. Yes. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, and then he offered me $30 to put the, the article up. And um, when I get uh, these, um, unlike so many of uh, our friends, uh, I don't just delete them. I'll write someone back and try to explain to them why what they're doing is self-defeating. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and that's the trouble with networking as it is right now, Kelly, Everybody thinks that networking, or, or too many people think that networking is, oh, I have something here. I have to publicize this. <clears throat> Let me just reach out to all these people and get them to do this for me. And, you know, 
people receive these requests. I think I'm putting the word, you know, request in quotation marks. Yeah, right. And, uh, and they don't know whether to laugh or cry because the person shows no interest in them whatsoever. It's just all about them. Right. And that's right. not what selling's about. That's not what networking's about. It's always about the other guy, about making something happen for that person, doing something for them, helping them. That's what it's all about. Uh, Zig Ziglar said, you know, you'll succeed when you help a, a bunch of people get what they want. I'm right. paraphrasing that. Sure. Uh and that's the truth, and that's what selling's about, and that's what networking's about. Uh, but there are too many people out there that are just too darn thick between their ears, and they don't get it. Yeah, they have. They're they're really infected with a disease called me, and yeah. uh, they're yeah. they're chasing they're chasing what they want. Right. Uh, well, I you you've you've alluded to it, and I'll. Uh, I'll actually provide some explanation. Bob and I are part of a group of sales professionals across the country that uh, teach and train and coach for a living. And uh, we're a loosely affiliated group on uh, on the Internet, and we, we share ideas and blogs and different things with each other. And uh, so many of those people are, are very good at what they do, Bob, because they practice the other people first uh, principle. But uh, sadly, there's a whole lot of people trying to get ahead on the Internet that are practicing uh, the me first and me only kind of approach. I guess that's what drew me to you in the first place is you were very different in that regard. Uh, you, you were very willing from the first day I met you to say, hey, is there anything I can do for you? And, and I, I think at its root uh, to the vast majority of people, that's very appealing. And it not only makes for a great salesperson, it makes for a great manager as well. Yeah. You know, both, both you and Dave, David Long, whom I just interviewed uh, in the show, both made reference to Zig Ziglar's quote about helping other people get what they want. I, you know, those of us who grew up in that era where we knew uh, about Zig and read his books, I, I think uh, most of us read that and understand how it works. But uh, we're living in a, a little bit of a different, uh, different culture, a little bit of a different society. So if you've got brand new salespeople and you're just starting out and you're managing a team, a bunch of young, green guys, what, what's the first thing you're going to do? How, how are you going to get the team started? Well, the first thing I would do is make sure that they know their business backwards, forwards, and sideways. And then after that, I think we would role-play interviews with prospects, including the questions that would be asked, very specific questions, and what to do depending on the answers to these questions. Right. And then I wouldn't just throw them to the wolves. I would take them out in the field with me and show them how it's done. And then I would go with them when they're doing it and just be a bump on a log, not open my mouth at all. You know, he could, he could introduce me as the new trainee. Mm-hmm. And, and I would take all these mental notes, and afterwards we would sit down over a cup of coffee and go over what went right and what went wrong. I believe that that's, you know, I don't understand this modern world where sales managers say that they're too busy to train their people. 
or work with them. <laughs> yeah, what are they doing exactly, right? <laughs> I think that's the biggest joke that I've ever heard. And, and anybody who owns a company who has a sales manager and loads them down with so much work that that, that, that premise is accurate, accurate, that person's an idiot. <laughs> That's Bob. That's my friend Bob Turson right there, folks. He tells it like it is. Hey, we're going to take our final time out here in the business locker room. When we come back on the other side, we'll finish up with uh, Bob Turson, again, the author of Selling Fearlessly. Find that book and find his blog at sellingfearlessly.com. Bob is a guy with 80 or 90 guest bloggers, the very best in the business, in the sales business, blogging on his site. And if they're there, I can promise you they're there because they're very good at what they do. Thanks for being with us. We'll take a short time out. We'll come back and we'll continue in the business locker room. I'm Kelly Riggs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Yeah, Jeff Shore was in the locker room a few weeks ago. Absolutely phenomenal interview. His book, uh, The Bold Seller, was fantastic, kid. Uh, we do more sales today with my guest, Robert Turson. Hey, I want to remind you, uh, the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin, typically we have that every week. Miles Austin called into, believe it or not, called into jury duty. And he contacted me and said, will not be available on Monday. So uh, we do without him and his insight. But our partner in the X's and O's segment is 4D Sales. And if you're in the sales business, I want to encourage you to go to 4dsales.com and check out their product. It is absolutely phenomenal. Full disclosure, I'm a partner with them as well. I love their product. I use it and I love to talk about it. And they are uh, the sponsor of the 4D or excuse me, the X's and O's segment. But uh, it was conceived about four years ago. Three founders with over 80 years of sales and sales management experience. They came together and found, looked at how they could take tablets, the iPads and uh, the uh, Windows 8 devices. How could we take those and use those to present information in a more interactive and visually appealing way? 
and they came up with something really spectacular. And I love it. I've been in the sales and marketing consulting business for a long, long time. And 4D Sales is one of those very easy-to-use tools that puts all of your material at your fingertips. Things like price lists and brochures and PDFs, slide decks, web pages, even videos, audio clips, things of that nature, all in one place. Very easy to access. You can just scroll through, show those things to your clients, one click, and you can email it to them. Trust me, if you own a business or you're a sales manager, just the consistency of having all your salespeople with the most current materials is worth the price that you would invest in this. Great product, great company. Check out their brand new website at 4dsales.com. My guest is Robert Turson, and I've talked about his book, Selling Fearlessly. And uh, Bob, you uh, you took a while to write your book, but you, your story is very easy to read, a lot of wisdom in there. And, and you came out of the world of the one call close a little bit differently uh, than, than some of the business-to-business people, but there, there's a lot of similarities as well, is there not? Sure. Uh, I think the greatest thing that B2B salespeople can uh, learn from the one call close is that they have to realize that every time they leave a meeting, they have to have that next meeting set up. They have to close this one and set up the next one. Uh, and if they don't, they're in trouble. No question about it. I mean, you, you always have to come away from a sales call having pushed the ball down the field a little ways. Uh, otherwise, you don't know if your client is engaged with you. And my experience, that's one of the easiest ways to, to see if you're still on track is if someone has a willingness to set an appointment, then typically they're moving forward. And if not, then you can address it while you're there instead of having to play you know, weeks of phone tag. In your world, you got in front of a client. Typically, you either came away with an order or you did not. How right. how. How are you able to do that? I mean, you've got to take people from zero to sold. You've got to build that credibility and relationship very quickly. From my point of view, uh, that, those are those are valuable lessons for anyone to learn, that you could create that cr- kind of credibility that fast. Well, first of all, it helps to um, be credible. <laughs> right. You know, um, it, it helps to to believe in what you do, to know that you're bringing value to people. Because then you go in and, uh, and, and, and you can be credible because you are credible. Uh, and then you sit down and, and you talk honestly to people. You tell them about what you can do for them. And you do it sincerely and openly. And uh, they have questions and you answer those questions. But... Uh, let me tell you, Kelly, I took people from initial states of hostility to a sale. And I did it by um, always being their equal. If somebody was being rude, I challenged it. I might, you know, look at someone who had their arms folded and they were scowling at me, and I might say something like, you know, about one out of every 10, 12 times I show this to someone, I'll get the feeling that they're so leery, they're waiting for me to pull my machine gun out of my case and mow them down. And I really have that vibe here. And I want to tell you, I didn't come over here to throw a lot of garbage at you. And I would just then look them straight in the eye and shut up and let them deal with their behavior. And nine out of ten times, I got an apology 
And from that point on, they were just sitting up very attentive and were with me all the way. I know that's one of your hot buttons. I've read, uh, you know, I've read your blog now for a couple of years, and I know that that's one of the things that's important to you is that salespeople are not second-class citizens, at least the good ones, the professionals, uh, and, and that we have a responsibility to uh, expect the same amount of dignity that we would give our clients if we're professionals. Isn't that right? Oh, yes. I, I think the <clears throat> greatest, greatest uh, failure of salespeople is the attitude of subservience, of kissing someone's behind, right. of being a sycophant and just to get the business. It does not garner respect. If you look someone in the eye and you tell them the truth, as hard as it is, you'll garner their respect and people buy from people that they respect. Tell me something, Kelly. If I had given you a lot of baloney about your book, Oh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, you're just, just wonderful. You know, don't don't change a thing. You know, would you have really respected me? Well, I would. I certainly would have questioned. You know, because if you've if you've done this kind of thing, you realize that you're looking at it in a vacuum, and you only see it one way. That's the value of outside perspectives. I, I would have been leery. No question about that. Yeah, yeah, and and so many salespeople go into a sale. And they're fearful. They approach the prospect from a point of subservience. Uh, in most cases, it's obvious. In some cases, it's subtle. But it's there. Well, I and, think that I think that technique that you used is is invaluable. It's one that every salesperson can learn from, because you you can be respectful and professional and still stand up for who you are. You know, and, and that 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 technique of you know, I see this happen on occasion. Sometimes people think that, you know, I'm here with selfish motives, whatever the case may be. And that, that, that's simply just not the case. And, and just to be quiet. You know, salespeople don't like silence much, Bob, but it's, it's such a powerful way to get people to respond to you. That's right. Yeah. And if somebody's, if somebody's not with you, see, here's, I, I have a memory of, of being um, given a presentation uh, by a, an encyclopedia guy, and I wasn't paying attention. I, my wife was, but I wasn't interested. And the guy just kept going through it. Now, whenever I observed that type of behavior, I called a halt and challenged it. Right. You know? Uh, why, why waste your time by that? that see, that's it. They want, they, they're hoping it's going to be okay. You can't hope that it's going to be okay. You have to make it happen. Right. And, and how are you going to get, a, get someone to a closed sale if you can't even get their attention long enough to get engagement from them in the presentation? Right. That, does, that doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. But, you know, but we'll go through book, the motions, right? Yeah. In my book, I, I told the story of meeting a, a, a man in uh, Richmond, Virginia, an elderly man. And the guy, as I started, you know, he was just scowling at me. And I knew, you know, hey, what is this? So I, I just looked at him and kind of challenged that my typical way. And he just said to me, I just don't like Yankees. <laughs> 
And Whoa. I said to him, hey, man, I'm a White Sox fan. I hate the Yankees. <laughs> hey, that's great stuff, Bob. Hey, we're going to have to wrap it up. That's, that is going to do it for today's show. Just good stuff from Bob Turson talking about what it takes to be in the top 10% of the sales profession. Hey, let me highly suggest that you get this man's book. It's easy to read. It's very educational. A lot of good stuff there. You can find it at sellingfearlessly.com. Bob, thanks for joining us. My joy, Kelly. I appreciate it very much. David Long was our first guest. He was the author of Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. Many thanks to him for joining us as well. And special thanks to 4D Sales, our sponsor. We'll welcome Miles Austin back in the X's and O's segment next week. Hey, thanks to Michael Sergan, my engineer, Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. Make sure you visit us at bizlockerroom.com. I'm Kelly Riggs, and I'll see you right here next week in the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.